What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to More To It, the show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports entertainment, and culture. The discussion starts with headline news and journeys into deeper conversations, highlighting the life lessons that are presented in every story. I'm Marcel Swally, that dude. And today, let's chop up some wood starting in Dallas with OBJ. We're all talking about it. OBJ in Dallas? A star? Maybe wearing the star? I wore the star one year, so I know exactly where he's landing in terms of what that team that franchise, that organization looks like. That's if he can get there, because we all know about this airplane story. Odell, wake up. (laughs) Tell y'all what I think happened on that plane in a second. But Odell is two parts right now to Odell coming to Dallas. If he lands in Dallas, it's your imagination versus reality. Your imagination takes you to, man, Odell Beckham, one of the few superstars our league has seen in recent years. And that's real. Like guys who are ballers, players, all pros, pro bowlers, all revered Odell Beckham Jr. for what he was able to do on that football field and magnify that off the football field. Like that's something that resonates with guys. Like this dude touched some heights that none of us have touched in terms of how he resonated with the public in terms of his Q rating, and in terms of his production. Like them early years, those are Hall of Fame years. Nobody going to slight that. Hall of Fame Odell Beckham Jr. years are behind him. But in your imagination, you still hold on to that. So you're like, yeah, I'm going to text him if I'm Dak Prescott. Yeah, I want him on our roster. But then reality is going to kick in. And what's the reality about Odell Beckham Jr.? The reality is he's safely a number two wide receiver, safely. Now, if he comes back and he's hampered by those two knee injuries to the same knee, two ACLs, he's hindered by that. He's not the same old Odell Beckham Jr. Okay, 
he can drop down to be your number three. But I think he can easily challenge as a number two. And more importantly, keep C.D. Lamb on his toes as the number one. And he's not taking C.D. Lamb's job. And he's not going to take C.D. Lamb's reps. But he can apply that gentle pressure to C.D. Lamb to make sure that young superstar in the making stays on track to be that young superstar. And that's who Odell Beckham is. He comes into your locker room with an imagination reality balance. And if you're a player in there, you're like, dog, living legend? Is Odell Beckham like one of the living legends of the game of this era? (laughs) For real. Y'all don't understand how much this dude was a star. Like, I saw it firsthand. I was at the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and at every table, there was a general. Every single table, one table, Peyton Manning, the sheriff, you know, king of all kings. And another table you look, you see uh, Cam Newton at the time. You see uh, Christian McCaffrey and Odell Beckham Jr. You know when Odell Beckham Jr. was walking through? There was electricity. There were people clamoring to him. There were people, his peers, looking at him with reverence. Dude's different. And he's going to bring in leadership. Why? Because he's been through it. He's taking his lumps. The dude has been balling and balling through sabotage. Like playing with Baker Mayfield, well, <laughs> he may have raised his hand to do that in the beginning, but he also kept his hand up to say, uh, can I get dismissed from this class? And we saw what happened when he finally got out of Cleveland. So it'll be a tremendous acquisition to get Odell Beckham Jr. on that Dallas squad, especially a team that has faltered trying to get over that hump trying to materialize all that talent and to make that finally a true Super Bowl contending team instead of just, oh, a real talented team that could win the Super Bowl. Big difference. So I love that for the Dallas Cowboys. But I don't love this story about Odell Beckham Jr. on this airplane, but I know where it's coming from. (laughs) Odell Beckham Jr. supposedly was in and out of consciousness. That's a way to term it. That's one way to say somebody was nodding off or going to sleep (laughs) in and out of consciousness. All right. So two hour flight delay, paramedics show up, ambulance shows up, police shows up. Odell has to get off the plane and then they take off. What happened there? All right. Let me do my best guesswork. This used to happen to me as well. And I don't know if this is going to really map on to what happened with Odell, but I do know from taking charter flight after charter flight in the NFL, even private planes, you get desensitized to the rules. Matter of fact, you become flippant to the rules. You know, whatever they're saying in the FAA, (laughs) you're like, what? Buckle my seatbelt. What? Man, I'm getting on this flight, throwing a blanket on my head and night, 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 knocking out. Don't bother me. I don't need no warm peanuts. Don't need no drink. Probably because I already had some drink. (laughs) I don't need nothing else. Wake me up in five hours. And I used to be that guy. And y'all know me. I'm not an outlaw. You know, I ain't no bad guy. I'm actually more of a rule stickler than anything. But flight after flight, when you're on your cell phone during takeoff, flight after flight, you don't have to wait for 10,000 feet before you open up your laptop. Flight after flight where you ain't even put on your seatbelt. You walking through the through the aisles, through the walkway while you're taking off. That used to be our flights when I used to ball out in the NFL. And now these cats doing that coupled with 
these private planes they always own, you know, Odell especially. I think Odell may have had a night, may have had a good time, came in a little under the weather. Let's just call it that because I don't know if he was smoking. He was drinking. He was doing something else, whatever he was doing in Europe that time. Remember that flower, (laughs) that substance by the pizza? I don't know what Odell was doing, and I'm not even going to project that on him. But I do know that Odell Beckham playing in the league, and if a flight attendant is trying to wake you up and you don't wake up, Oh, something's helping you stay asleep. <laughs> that ain't natural. That ain't just tired, boss. That's something else. So if I had to guess on this one, Odell already just outside the rules because that's how we travel. Like being real. I, mean, I don't know how many times a flight attendant has nudged me, had to remind me the 15th time. Dude, just like put your seatbelt on. Dude, like just – Keep your seat back up. Like, I'm like, what? And it's literally because I was like raised in a bad airplane home or airplane childhood. Like I just became a guy who just couldn't follow the rules. I was like, what the hell y'all talking about? Like, leave me alone. And I think Odell may have had a little bit of leave me alone cologne on, on top of like, I ain't bothering nobody. You ever been there? That person? I ain't bothering nobody. Why y'all mess with me? Chill. Uh, I think it might add up like that. We'll see how this story develops. And hopefully that picture develops fully in Dallas. And speaking of, I ain't doing nothing and not bothering anybody, but still, that ain't enough. You might be in the wrong. Jerry Jones, speaking of Dallas and the owner, my man, Jerry Jones, the dude who gave me a $5,000 pin when I signed with the Cowboys. Yep. And I don't know where the hell that pin is, but... Oh, man, why the hell, Jerry, give me a $5,000 pin? He should have just added that to my signing bonus. I don't need no $5,000 pin. Fool, I need this bonus to go up. But Jerry Jones was in the news because Jerry Jones had a picture circulating of him as black students were trying to integrate a school. Ooh, man. So we know we're going back in time, obviously, And Jerry Jones' response to this was, hey, I was just curious of what was going on, not knowing the magnitude of that moment, right? And I know people were on his head. I need a response. You need to own up to this. Yeah, own up to your teenage years. Own up to a picture of you standing on the wrong side of history. You need to own up to what were you thinking then and how are you thinking now in perspective in relationship to that picture. So basically people are trying to dance around and say, you look like a racist then or you're a racist now. Here's what I want to say first. Woo. I hope y'all don't start going into my teenage years, finding pictures. <laughs> Damn. I hope y'all don't start doing that. I remember there was a picture or of me and thank God I'm before social media. Thank God I'm before all of this. Y'all take a picture and it's permanent and concrete for life. You know, we had the 110 cameras with the thumb. <laughs> you had to slide the thumb under, went to 35 millimeter cameras, and nobody had film money. Nobody had enough money for them Kodaks and Minotas. So I remember being the guy, and we had a race riot at school. Yep, I said it, race riot, real talk. And in that race riot, it was the Mexicans versus the blacks. 
And y'all know what side I was naturally on. <laughs> the side of my people, right? Black people, right? At least that's what they thought. I was not in the fight. And I remember my my black friends was like, dog, we going at it with the Mexicans. I was like, for what? Oh, man, uh, man, dude was tripping. And then the dude over there, and uh, you know, it ain't never a real story. It's just like this, this, this. And they trying to put it together to make one real story. I was like, I was like, fool, them dudes on my team, those the homies. What you talking about? I ain't about to fight them, fight all of them, fight the group for what? For you have an issue with one or two? And I remember that. But imagine that snapshot. Imagine that divide. I'm on one side and you're on the other side. And I'm not even against your side. I'm just on this side. Right? I remember that. And I didn't fight. Actually, I was a peacemaker. But there were moments where I could have looked like, ooh, in a steel shot, ooh, Marcellus is going against the Mexican players and Mexican students. I remember that vividly. I had to play peacemaker and finally talking everybody out of it. I was like, what y'all fighting for? And then in two hours, we about to go fight on the football field together, trying to do something bigger. Silliness, right? And then I also remember maybe a year later being in college. And I've seen these pictures. Y'all ain't seen them yet. So I ain't going to post them. <laughs> Me, straight up with a fake gun, acting like I'm like gangster, Onyx, uh, on death row records or something like that. Just being gangster. I was in the dorm room with my my homeboys on the team. I protect the guilty, so I ain't going to say their names unless I say something positive first. And uh, here I am with pictures of me looking gangster, pointing the gun, all this kind of stuff that I would be ashamed that my son would see as he grows older. But that's what adolescence is, man. So when Jerry responded saying he was just curious, and he was like in the third row, you know, he wasn't the cheap seats in terms of this hatred towards the integration. I remember just thinking about how much foolery I was involved in in terms of snapshots and hoping that Jerry Jones doesn't get snapshot into one mindset from everybody who knows Jerry Jones. I know Jerry Jones personally and few people out there may know Jerry Jones personally or had an interaction with him, but the thing is, it, it kind of attaches to the narrative of racist NFL owner. And I know that was something that was running wild a couple years ago, for sure, especially after Colin Kaepernick. And it's crazy because if you look at the demographics, it's hard to support that NFL owners are racist. Not just saying what's on the field in terms of how many players, what, 2,000 players and over 50% are black, over 70% are minorities. Not that. And I understand you're going to say, well, he's the boss and they're employees. Well, I mean, we raised our hand to be an employee. And, you know, if we ball out and take care of our finances and pull our resources together, we could also raise our hand to be an owner. But that's a different conversation for a different day. But what I don't understand is look at the demographic of Jerry Jones, a billionaire white man in Dallas. So I don't know how many other billionaires are in Dallas that are white. Maybe a couple other. Roger Staubach, you know, a couple others. <laughs> I'm sure some oil money out there, et cetera. But Jerry Jones is in a community of a very few that interacts with black people, minorities, like Jerry Jones interacts with them. Think about that. Like, of all the people that you want to say is racist, 
it wouldn't necessarily be the guy who interacts with black people every single day in the dozens, employs them, and more importantly, has heartfelt relationships and bonds with them. Like, like if you're going to kind of sell that one, sell that one up a different stream. Think about it. There are 32 teams and 31 owners, and Green Bay is on his own doing something weird. Um, 32 teams, right? And they're billionaires and they're white. Hmm. They have more contact with their demographic of being a white billionaire with black people than anybody else. So it's kind of weird that we pick on them or we run with this narrative about them when they may be the ones that are most helpful. What I think is crazy is Jerry Jones representing a white owner is doing more, doing greater in general than most people in that community in terms of race relations. (laughs) Like he got 40 black people making them millionaires, employing them, interacting with them, having relationships with them, bonds with them. Like there's an easier pool of people in every one of these NFL cities we can grab and potentially want to term as racist. Then the guy who has that much interaction, that much in common, that much integration with people that he's supposed to be deemed racist towards. Eh. Little weird to me, little weird to me. What's not weird to me is Russell Wilson looking this bad in Denver. It's not that foreign, not that weird to me. Ah, can't say I predicted this one, but I saw this one coming. I didn't predict it because I didn't want to wish any ill on Russell Wilson, but I was like, yo, this is not going to add up the way y'all think this is going to add up. You got a first-year head coach. You got Russell Wilson leaving for quote-unquote greener pastures, and a team that thought all they needed was a quarterback. A quarterback away. Yeah, okay. Now you see him getting yelled at by his defensive tackles before he even going to the game. Dog, Russell Wilson went out there and threw for 142 yards. I said threw for it, y'all. <laughs> Golly. Jalen Hurst ran for more yards than that. I mean, this is getting ugly and ugly fast. And those Seattle players warned us. They said, he ain't the leader y'all think he is. He ain't the dude y'all think he is. But I'm not going to get caught up in that because I wasn't there, even though I know Russell Wilson is a little too mono in terms of how he expresses himself as a leader, like one mode, one version. And, you know, you got to be able to reach people where they are, reach your teammates where they are. And I don't know if Russell Wilson has that in him in terms of leadership. So when you face adversity like he does right now, Oh, it's going to be a problem because you got to reach everybody and you haven't shown that bandwidth. You haven't shown that reach before. But what we all saw in Seattle is showing this ugly head in Denver. One, inaccuracy, you know, be real. When Russ was cooking or not cooking or whatever he was doing in that kitchen. Inaccurate at times, but that wasn't the glaring issue. The glaring issue was Russell Wilson wanted the plays to break down so he can show up and show out. 
And that's something that is not replicable. That's not something that you can repeat as a coordinator. That's not a play you can call. Hey, 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 we're going to run 42X breakdown play on three. Like, stay on script. Stick to the script. And Russell Wilson is actually better off script. And imagine if you're the coordinator or the coach, what player are you calling off script? So his inaccuracy is showing his ugly head, but more importantly, that broken inner clock that he always had. He couldn't feel the rush or he wanted the rush to come so he can activate Russell Wilson and go out there and just run around in circles and seven seconds later, complete a pass. That is not how you build an offense. That is not how you build a team. And right now, since he's a first-year starter in Denver with a first-year head coach, oh, y'all need to build. Like, this thing ain't ready-made. These are new pieces at the foundational level, and they finding out how hard it is. Talking about how hard it is. How hard it's been and how hard it's going to be for Deshaun Watson. He's back. Oh, man, Deshaun Watson. Ah. I know that people have asked me about him off air and on air. And my response has always been, look, I know what Deshaun Watson was up to. Everybody knows what Deshaun Watson was up to. How did he get in this position and what to expect from him going forward? Well, he got in this position because, frankly, he got full of himself. And he is not alone in that line. I raised my hand. I was full of myself when I played as well. Ah. And this is how it goes, that whole dynamic of when you're feeling yourself and you're full of yourself. And all of a sudden, you got to meet the real world. You got to deal with people out there, vendors, massage therapists, you know, commoners, the layman, whatever you want to call it. Because it is such a privileged life to be a professional athlete, to be an NFL player. And then all of a sudden, you have these interactions with people who don't even live on the same planet, it feels like, as you. And imagine you're that guy. And I don't have to imagine. I've been this guy. And I protect the guilty when it's somebody else, but I tell them myself. <laughs> Let me tell you what I used to do. The massage therapist kind of broke down into a couple, maybe a few different buckets. It was one who was super professional. And I'm talking male or female. Trust me, y'all. It goes both ways. Male or female, super professional. Got their local business, so excited, been doing great work, got the resume, got people who will testify for how great their services are. And they come in there mm, and they are on the grind. Great workers. Hey, hello, Marcellus. Uh, hey, Deshaun. Um, so what what seems to be ailing you today? Oh, yeah, my hamstrings, man. And, uh, you know, my calf is a little sore. And, then, you know, shoulder, left shoulder, left shoulder, a little hurt. Oh, okay, okay. We could get to that. We could get to that. All right. Um, uh, can you lay face down and I'll come back um, after you uh, get undressed? Thank you. Thank you. You got that guy. You got that girl. Then you got the one in the middle. They on the fence. Like they're enamored because they are rubbing on Deshaun Watson. They are rubbing on me, Marcel Swiley. Somebody that they're like, yo, I've seen them on TV. Yo, I've watched them play. Yo, I got their jersey. Yo, my fiance loves them, blah, blah, blah. So they come in, and since they're on the fence, they're trying to see how you're going to receive how starstruck they are. And they come in, hey, how's it going? And their questions are not all professional. Their conversation is not all professional, right? Oh, okay. 
yeah, so um, what seems to be ailing you? You say, oh, yeah, my hamstring, my calf, my shoulder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that was a good game you played last week. And you sitting there like, mm-hmm, face, face down. Okay, all right, I hear you. Oh, yeah, I remember before, you from Clemson, you from Columbia. Oh, I remember the, you're like, okay, fan, fan, I hear it. Mm-hmm. You're trying to keep it close to the vest because you're like, oh, if I keep talking to this fool, we're going to be talking about my Pop Warner days and highlight tapes. <laughs> so you're like, ah. Short answers. This is where people start saying, oh, athletes are assholes and arrogant. Well, they're responding to the fact that you're about to take them on a history channel version of their life. And they don't want to go through all that. They don't need to hear their pom-poms shaking in the wind. They they already been through that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how is it like being Deshaun Watson? And you're like, oh, God. So that's the fence rider. And based on your response, based on what you want, do you want to mess with them? Is she fine? Do you want to be cool to the dude? Do you want to sign his jersey after the hour and a half massage? You open up or you shut it down. And then there's the other one. <laughs> and I used to mess with the other ones. I mess with the ones in the middle too. Depends on how fine they were. But the, uh, this one, coming in hot, straight hot, right off the bat. Oh, my God. Deshaun, excuse me. Hey, Marcel. Oh, um, yes. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm with the team and I'm here to give you a massage. And you're like, okay, okay. Uh, what's wrong, Samo? You know, the calf, the hamstring, the shoulder. Okay, I'll be right back. You can take off your clothes and face down. I'll be right back. Come back in immediately. Not even focusing on what you just told them. What areas? <laughs> immediately, just start rubbing your back. Immediately, just start talking, talking about their life, their kids, their family, their fiance, and. Don't let her be fine. Then you listening. Not only listening, you talking back. And for, uh, I can't even guess how many massage therapists I had from the league, like league massage therapists. 30? Let's guess 30. That seems hot, though. Um, I messed with at least 10. Like, I, at least 10 of them. Like, hello. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you local? Of course. Uh, uh, where do you live? Oh, right there in Encinitas. Oh, that's not far at all. Uh, I make house calls. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You make house calls. I bet you make bedroom calls too, the way we talking <laughs> and it went down, man. Now, where does it go wrong? It goes wrong here. You don't read the cues, the telltale signs, or you're not blatantly honest. You're not forthright. You don't say what it is. And that's the craziest thing about intimacy. Whether you're dating somebody or not, whether you're trying to convert the massage therapist to your next girlfriend or somebody you're just going to mess around with the next night, whatever it is, we'll walk a path but not talk a path, right? So you're just like, oh, she just rubbed my, my hamstring. Oh, she on the growing. Oh, oh, she on, she on me. <laughs> Versus, hey, what is this? What are you doing? What are we going to do? What are we doing? And the trickery comes when you don't talk through it. You just walk through it. Because now you're at the mercy of the other person. And not only the miscommunication, but the lack of no communication, right? The lack of communication gets most people and most of us in trouble, relationship or not, massage therapists or not. Let's talk about this communication, though. What happened in Michigan State? Y'all hear about this story? Hockey player 
racial slur against him. Ohio State player mm, kicked off the team. Uh huh. It's interesting when you talk about hockey. Immediately, your mind races to lack of diversity. Damn right. Um, black folks ain't trying to play hockey like that. <laughs> Actually. Y'all know it's regional. Y'all know it's by weather. Y'all know it's by locale proximity. I can go deep. I could talk to sociology of it at all, but not a lot of black players in the sport of hockey. But this story takes me to the why I don't use the N-word in the first, first place and why I think that's appropriate to talk about right now. Because I don't know what slur was said, but I do know that I don't give license to anybody in my world to use the N-word. Now, I will have a lot of fights in my life if I told everybody to stop saying the N-word around me because everybody uses it around me. And I used to use it up to a certain point, maybe like five, ten years ago or so. Now, I, I stopped using it because my wife was like, what are you doing? Like, oh, you're the one that's converting something that's poisonous into something that's quote-unquote a term of endearment? less venomous and thinking that, oh, that's fine. And then, you know, I was like, oh, man, I'm comfortable with this word. This word doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything to who I'm talking to. What you talking about? But then after deeper discussions, more discussions, I started to realize going back to like old physics class and, 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 and talking about how energy can't be created or destroyed, just transferred. And I was like, oh, snap. I am not the one who created this word. And being real, nobody's going to destroy this word. This word will always be present and maybe prevalent in our world, in our society. But I don't have to be the conduit that transfers this word, which I know was intended with harm. I don't have to be the one that they use, manipulate to transport their poison. And I used to be that guy. And when you give that license to somebody else, because, hey, in your house, you got to follow the rules. If not, nobody else coming in your house going to follow the rules. You got to be territorial in terms of what words, what thoughts, what actions, what do you lend yourself towards and what do you allow attach to attach to you, attach to your culture. Attached to who you want to represent, what you want to represent. You got to be real careful. And this is some like fully mature adult, adult stuff. And these kids don't get it. These kids like, whatever, it's just a word, not knowing the power of it. My only cautionary tale would be for anybody who uses this word to be careful how you try to police that same word you use or else you may be deemed a hypocrite. All right. Speaking of hypocrisy, y'all see my boy Charvarius Ward. First of all, your mama need to stop playing Charvarius. That's that, I know how it goes. That's that's granddaddy's like first name, your favorite uncle's middle name, and <laughs> that's crazy how they combine these names, make them up. Come on, mama, do better. Played against DeAndre Hopkins and called that dude ah steroid boy. Said I don't respect anything he does. I don't give a damn how good a game he had against me. Oh steroid boy. <laughs> Man, I'm with him. I'm with him. Even though I love me some D-Hop, even though I love guys who got busted for steroids, Rodney Harrison, my dog. Everybody knows how much I love Big Nose. That's what we call each other, Big Nose. Um, everybody knows I got love for Antonio Gates. But 
Anybody get caught on them roids? Hey, man, you're in a different column for me. You're in a different place mentally and in terms of respect for me. I wouldn't go to the point of calling you steroid boy because I think it's already stated. I think it's already known. Uh-oh, he was on that thing. So why are you going to be out here trying to clown it? But I don't have respect for guys who got caught on it, even if they tell me, oh, man, uh, it wasn't me. It was a dirty sample or or I was using something that I thought was good and clean, but the manufacturing line and the way that they were making it, it got laced. Like, I'm sorry, dog. I played in the league. I gave them all my years, a decade. I played ball my whole life. They never caught me. They never caught me because I never did it. <laughs> it's just that simple. These dudes, man, I know track and field cats. I know cats that did it. Didn't get busted and lie and say they didn't do it. So I don't think you get the benefit of the doubt. But in terms of calling them out like that, <laughs> you, 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 you're more than me on that one. I ain't going to that point. But I don't have a respect for guys who get caught doing it because you don't get caught if you ain't doing it. <laughs> I'm a living example, right? Y'all see Pat Beverly catch DeAndre Ayton? I'm protecting my teammate. Boy, nothing crazier than when a guy bleeds the colors of his uniform, like all in. And I mean, Pat Bev has to do that. We know Pat Bev is compromised in other ways. So he makes up for it by his loyalty. He makes up for it by going 110% in the few ways that he can. And then one of them ways is being that enforcer. One of them ways is I'm bringing that pain. And he, <laughs> good Lord, if Chris Paul wasn't enough, here we go again, Patrick Beverly out there giving DeAndre ate in the business. It, it was all for nothing. Like, we know what it is. NBA players, most players, but certainly NBA players, ain't trying to fight. Because you know why? Watch the video again. Watch Anthony Davis. After seeing Pat Bev do that, he wasn't even looking at DeAndre Ayton, who could retaliate, who could have came back with the with the haymaker, could have came back with the with the one-two hit a quitter, right? Instead, he looking at Pat Bev like, dog, he wasn't that serious, was he? <laughs> He looking at Pat Bev like, what the hell are you doing? So imagine your teammate looking out for your team, and instead of you looking at who he just pushed, who may come back with some hell, you looking at your teammate like, dog, what you doing? Hands all open, fists not even clenched. Silliness out there. I saw all that. But you want to know whose fist was clenched? T.O. <laughs> T.O. had a fight. Trying to go to CVS. T.O. out there putting hands in some fans' world. And ah. Oh, that was scary to watch. Do y'all see it? Tell you why it was scary to watch. Let me tell you why that was so scary to watch. Because T.O., mm, this is how fickle life is, is outside of a CVS in Inglewood fighting some dude over what? Because he was disrespectful. Over what? Because he said something. Over what? Because the dude started it. But damn, I done seen that go the wrong way so fast. No matter how right you are. I've seen that go the wrong way too fast. Pop, 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 pop. We've all seen that, right? I've unfortunately experienced it. And watching T.O. out there fighting the guy for no reason, if you really boil it down, makes me think, mm, so glad that this didn't get worse than it was. Uh, you go to CVS, a fan comes up to you, y'all chop it up, and then somebody starts woofing. I don't know how fast wolves are, but um, I'm going to be faster than that. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I got more to live for.
I'm out. I can't do it. Can't give it to you because I don't know what you want to do with this. I don't know how far you're going to go. And that fan must have wanted to go far because he's sitting out front wanting to throw hands on T.O. The hell is that? So in that position, y'all, one, don't instigate, and two, um, don't don't outstay your welcome either, T.O. Get yourself out of there. All right, let's switch some gears and get to maybe the story of the week, Balenciaga. Oh, my God. It was perverted what they put out there. And I love how everyone's passing the buck. Balenciaga's blaming the photographer. The photographer's blaming them. And all of a sudden, accountability's out the window. <laughs> and responsibility never entered the room. It's all about, oh, 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 oh. Uh, I can't believe this happened on our watch. Can't believe this. Let's take down all of the socials. Let's take down all of the images. Okay, that's part of it. Yeah, we 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 can obviously erase what you did, even though you can't erase it from our mind. And with the internet today, we all seen it. But ownership, own up to it, bro. Why? All I want is a why. I, boy, let me be a reporter in front of them. Yeah, 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 you took it down. Yeah, 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 you saw it. But why did you do it in the first place? Why did you do it in the first place? You got to press them in this situation. Why? Because... One thing we all can unite on, one thing we can all stay united on and unified in is protecting the innocent, right? Protecting our kids. And to see kids in an ad with wine glasses, champagne glasses, alcohol being implied in their setting, the BDSM and face down and sexual suggestions, kids. Y'all can't let kids stay kids. Like this whole world and this blurring of the line of what's adult and what's kid is starting to not only be excessive, but obvious. So obvious, like agenda, like we're intending to try to bring fully mature adult conversations and choices to kids. And you got to protect kids. You protect kids in so many other ways. Can a kid drink alcohol legally? No. And a kid fighting the military legal. No. Well, then the kids shouldn't be allowed to make some of these moral, ethical, social choices as well. But not in today's world because it's going unchecked. And Balenciaga is going unchecked. Even Kim Kardashian finally has a response to it and saying their relationship is under review. You know, that's bull. You know, that's that BS. Basically, I'm going to wait this one out, see how y'all feel about it. More than likely, y'all going to forget about it. Then we'll be back better than ever. And we got to stay on people who do such excessive, egregious things, especially to the innocent. Because my kids are not going to grow up in a world where it's normalized, where it's suggested, where they're going to be desensitized to not only staying a child, but having to make adult decisions as a child. It's insane what's going on. Like, it's beyond stupidity for someone to green light what they saw in terms of that photo shoot, what they saw in terms of that imagery. And I've been a part of photo shoots. You got to check every box. There are so many things to manage, but 
since you're managing so much and you're paying so much for that, you're paying attention to all of that. So don't act like you didn't see it. Don't act like, oh, there was a disconnect. Don't act like there was miscommunication. There was huge, nasty, perverted intention that to me is still going unchecked because these celebrities got quiet. It's crazy how these celebrities would rather post about a criminal getting shot. (laughs) Oh, this criminal got shot or the police messed with this criminal and he ran from the police and he got shot. They rather post about that than somebody trying to wink, wink, if not more to your kids that, hey, perversion like this is okay. Boy, we better do the checking because right now they're not checking for any ethical line. They're crossing all of them. All right, y'all. <laughs> Get out of here on Tiki Time and Wileyisms. My Tiki Time question this week is, how did you meet your spouse, your significant other? Oh, glad y'all asked me instead of asking her because she always lies about this. <laughs> she always got a different story. Like, girl, <laughs> reality is reality. All right. I met her going to my boy Dennis Northcutt's birthday party. And I had a limousine at the time, but not a normal limousine with the boomerang in the back. I had a limo that was a converted excursion truck, and it was silly. Oh, it went down in the back of that thing. Yes, it did. I'm talking about the music, y'all. Get your head out the gutter. (laughs) Winning. Big screen TV, woofers everywhere, bar in the back, plush carpet. It was silly. But I'm pulling up to his party, and I'm about to jump out, and TMZ, bow, hits me. Now, I ain't that famous, but, you know, if I go out to certain spots, yeah, yeah. Lights, camera, action. So I'm getting interviewed by TMZ, and then I stop looking at the camera, stop looking and getting blinded by the flash, and all of a sudden, something brighter than the flash was walking by. Woo! My, my wife, fine. One arm out. One arm in, some dress she had on, Flojo. I call it Flojo dress. She had the Flojo on, and she got muscle, muscle, muscles. And I was like, damn. But she was going to the general mission line, the long line, right? Not, you know, I mean, if TMZ interviewed me, I'm going straight in. So I'm like, whoa. I said, oh, excuse me. You, you come on in with us. Like, hello, how are you? <laughs> uh, and, and the first thing I said for real was, Where'd you get your muscles from? I know, lame. <laughs> Just let you know I'm a marrier. Because I my worst game ever is the one I marry, right? <laughs> I was like, where you get your muscles from? And she started laughing and giggling. I said, you should come in with us. And she said, oh, thank you. That'd be nice. Boom. Go inside. That night, I'm hydrated. I'm in the situation of hydration. Oh, man. I'm running around. I got glasses on, towel on, 13 chains on. And my boy Jabari was there with me, my best friend, my ace, and he held it down for me. I said, look, you know, I'm leaning right now and I'm with Dino. So it's his birthday. I can't ruin his birthday. Make sure Anna Marie is good. Had the little security at the table to make sure no other dudes holler. <laughs> it wasn't even for like safety purposes. Just make sure nobody else holler. Um, <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, man, I was lit. I just kept checking on her every five to 10 minutes stalker-like, but also real. Um, And when I kept checking on her, it made her just feel like, wow, this dude really is interested. Because you know how we used to do it in the club. You get a girl number. If you get it, especially walking in early, 
oh, that's just the first of many. <laughs> Five, 10 minutes later, she looking at you at the bar, you hollering at somebody else. 10 minutes later, you on the dance floor hollering at somebody else. I didn't do none of that. Because no lie, I was mesmerized, dog. I was in that zone. So that's how I met Anna Marie. And then after that, I'm lit. We go to Barry's Pizza. Four in the morning, whatever it may be. I'm leaning on her shoulder. She feeding me pizza. I'm so gone. She had to buy. She had to buy the breakfast, buy the dinner, buy whatever the hell that is at four in the morning you're eating. And uh, she was like, "This dude all over the place." But you know me. I woke up eight in the morning. Ring, ring. Hello, may I speak to Anna Marie? <laughs> and that let her know that all that checking in before wasn't just at the club. That I was for real. That I was in love. That I was gonna be. Her husband. Oh, look at me. Let's end it with a Wileyism today. Principle over principle. Ooh, principle with an A L over principle with an L E. Mm, that's what this world is right now. We got to flip that. Principle with an L E over principle with an A L. We got to have dogma over dollar. Stop putting this dollar first because what's happening? Balenciaga, silence. These cats are not being bought. They're not being paid for. Celebrities, elites, all that stuff. What happens is it's the social currency that is paying for them. They don't want to be disruptors. They don't want to be the one at the cocktail party being the oddball who actually stood up on principle with the LE. To protect their principle with an AL, they don't stand on principle with an LE. And... Thankfully, I'm built the opposite way. Thankfully, I know a lot of you listeners out there are built the opposite way. But you have to express yourself. You have to express your principle with the LE. Because if not, that silence is going to allow this ecosystem to continue to grow, to continue to prosper where they're putting the AL before the LE. Dogma over dollar. Let's stand for something. We're going to fall for everything, not just anything. That's going to do it for more to it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Want to keep the conversation going? Of course you do. Let's talk. You can find me on all socials at Marcellus Wiley at Marcellus Wiley. More to it is a production of Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment and Workhouse Media. The show is executive produced by Dan Patrick. Marcellus Wiley, Paul Anderson, and Nick Pinella. I'm Marcellus Wiley. Thanks for listening. Thanks for those reviews, too. Keep them coming. There's more coming for more to it. Talk to you next week. <laughs>